Welcome to Reveal Truth, the audio outreach ministry of Moores Creek Baptist Church. I am Pastor Roger Barnes, and I invite you now to join me as we open the Bible, God's Revealed Truth. Ephesians chapter 4, and once you find Ephesians chapter 4, it's in the latter half of your Bible, hopefully as long as we've been in the book of Ephesians, for those of you who've been with us, you have that earmark bent over, or falls open to that whenever you open your Bible. Once you found Ephesians chapter 4, if you'd be so kind as to stand with me. And let's read together, and maybe by the end God will have placed in my heart where we're headed. Ephesians chapter 4, in the very first verse, it reads like this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and is in you all. Father, this morning we have had an awesome time of worship and singing praises to your name we've enjoyed the blessing of the music this morning and the words that were spoken to our hearts by those who sang and played and father now i just ask that you focus our attention completely upon that god that we have seen and heard praised in our presence this morning let us focus solely upon you that there's not another thought in our mind And Father, I ask this of you that you make very little of me and very much of you that this morning we may see you for who you are. This we pray in the name of your precious Son and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. If this changes gears in the middle, I'll apologize, but we're going to go where I think God's leading us this morning. All right. We've been reading through this passage. We've spent the entire year uh, in the first three verses of of this passage, the entire year in the first three verses. I'm just going to ask the question that's the elephant in the room. It's the question that's been on everyone's heart, minds, and some of your lips. Why? (laughs) Why? Why have we taken a year? Why have we taken uh, six months out of this year to, to spend time in this, this first couple of three verses of the book of Ephesians? Why? <laughs> That's the elephant in the room. That's the question to be asked. That's the thought upon our, all of our hearts and minds. You express it in many different ways, but you express it out of love and really questioning why have we been there? I had planned for you this morning the, the culmination message of, of why we were there, and I had set aside the, the beginning of the message because I knew I couldn't fit it all into one day. I don't know why I even worry about that anymore. But I just knew that, that God had a, this ending he just wanted to bring to our attention. I was so focused on the ending, I forgot all about the beginning. And this morning, as I woke, God told me, no, we're going to start where I told you to start. So that's where we're going to start this morning. And what he says there in that third verse I think it's the heart of why the church exists it says this endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace 
I would think if you're realistic and you look at this world that we live in today, there's one word that we can use for this world, and it is disunity. It is definitely a world that is not unified. It is a world that is not headed in one direction. It's a people that are not unified. We see it in a lot of things. We see it in the laws that are, that are passed in our land we see it in the fact that, that there has to be this same-sex marriage because everybody has to be equal. We see it in the fact that, that if you choose to live outside of God's will and, or even maybe within God's will as far as marriage goes, but, but you wind up becoming pregnant and that pregnancy winds up being a problem in your life and you really don't have time for kids right now, it's okay. It's okay that you just go and have an abortion and get rid of that problem in your life. And here's the worst part about it. The worst part about it is I can find you guys who stand in pulpits like this on Sunday mornings that will tell you that's okay. There's not only disunity in the world, there's disunity in the church. There are those who say, no, we should just all get along. We should all just allow each person to do that thing which they think is right in their case. We see from these big issues, these smaller issues creep in like... These bathroom rights. I don't know any other way to say it. It takes a person with less than half a brain to decide that that issue is, even needs to be discussed. It's, it's not about what bathroom you use. It's about what's in your heart. If you think that same-sex marriage and abortion and a man going into a girl's bathroom or, or if you think that it's okay to lie about the things that you've done in the past to gain favor of men in the presence, if, if you think it's okay for a news agency to decide they're going to report to you only that which they think that you should know and keep out those things that you don't need to know because by knowing those things it would change your mindset. If you think it's okay to send thousands of dollars to those folks by watching their shows on TV buying things that the advertisers are putting on there if you think it's okay to support someone that will report to you half the truth you're supporting disunity you see deciding what's best for our country or for us as a church or for us as individuals yet not caring that we break the laws of man but especially the laws of God places us in a position of disunity this world is so ununified that I have no idea what tomorrow even holds. You used to have the ability to look at what was going on in our world and, and, and see what was happening down the road and, and try to correct those things today so that 10 years from now our children wouldn't have to live in a world worse than ours. But that's no longer the case. There's not enough correction that we can do with laws or people in this time we live in to change the world 10 years from now so it's going to be better for our children. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter who sits in the office of president. It doesn't matter what laws they put into place. None of those things matter 10 years from now in all honesty. What really matters is what difference is the church going to make in this world. The church far too long has set back and been a part of the problem instead of a part of the solution. Within our churches today, there is so much disunity between church bodies that I think God is disgusted. We look at churches around us and we have no idea what's even going on in them. We have no idea the heart of the pastor. We have no idea how we could support them. Why? Why? Because all we care about is our little church. 
went to a pastor's conference. They normally have the pastor's conference for our association on Thursdays, the second Thursday of every month. They do it at 12 o'clock, which is a little inconvenient for those of us who happen to be bivocational. They do it in Wilmington, which happens to be really inconvenient for me since it's an hour away from where I work most times. So I've been able to attend a couple, but not many. So we talked about it. So they decided that they would, out of convenience for those of us they call Pender County and beyond, they would start having the same meeting at 6 o'clock on Thursday evening and do it up here so we could all get it. It's a great idea. Isn't that a great idea for unity? There's only one problem. They just had the first one last week, and all three of us pastors showed up, two bivocational and one full-time. You want to know what's wrong with the church? You're paying a pastor to be a full-time pastor, and he can't take an hour out of his day to drive 15 minutes down the street to see what he could do to help the association. You ask me what's wrong with the church? I, I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking, here's an opportunity for all of us in the Bender County area to wrap our arms around each other as pastors and support each other and find out what we can do to positively affect the community we live in for the gospel of Christ. And there's three of us that care. There were more people from North American Mission Board and North Carolina Baptist Association and the Wilmington Baptist Association than there was us. We had a guy come all the way from North Carolina Baptist Association down. We had a missionary that's just come off the field in the, in the downsizing, and he's taken a position that would help us go out and find those people groups within our community that have never heard the gospel. And you look at me thinking, there's somebody that's never heard the gospel. Do you realize there are five households within a three-mile drive of this church that come from countries that the gospel is not preached? Shocked? Within three miles of this church, you can walk into five households with a Bible, and they probably don't even know what it is. And they'd have no idea who this man, Jesus, is. Five households. But we, as the leadership of the church, the pastors, can't even come together and set aside our differences to say, how do we show them Jesus? You see, disunity has become the trend it's become the norm in our world. Yet here, Paul, when he writes under the direction of the Holy Spirit, in that third verse, he says, endeavor to keep the unity. What does it mean to endeavor to keep the unity? It should be that thing which you are striving for. As a church, as the body of Christ, we should strive for unity. Unity within the body. He's given us this worthy walk in the verses ahead that we've been talking about the last few months. Look at how these tie in to this picture of unity. He started off there what he said with all lowliness. We, became, we came to know that word being humility. And if you remember what I told you about humility, it was thinking about others more and about yourself less. Not that you are less, but you think about yourself less. You put others first in simple terms. From humility came that meekness, that meekness where we know we have the power of God within us, but that power of God is completely under the control of God, not under our control. We don't lash out at those that lash out at us. We only stand up and lash out at those that lash out at our God. From that meekness comes this patience. We have patience with those around us. And I told you, I look at that patience as showing the exact same grace to you and to the world that God has shown to me. If there's one thing God has given me, he has shown me patience. From that patience comes this love. 
We talked about love and the agape love, the love that didn't say, I'm going to give you a Savior if you'll give me your life. Not a love that says, I want to be in this friendship relationship with you. Not this love that says, I want to be here to fix all of your needs. I want you to take from me that which you need to, to fix your life. No, he showed us a love that said, I'm going to take myself and hang it upon a cross and die for you, a wretched sinner who doesn't even want me. See, that's a giving love. A love that so gave to us that while we were yet sinners, lost in sin and enjoying it, he died on a cross for our sins. He left the glory of heaven for the dirtiness of this world because we made it dirty. So this humility and meekness and patience and ultimately this love should lead to one thing within our church. It's unity. Think of how different the church would look if we each put the other person first. I was listening to a pastor preach this week, and one of my favorite pastors to listen to when things aren't going right in my life, Francis Chan, he's just a remarkable, absolutely remarkable person. Don't agree with all things with him, but he's a great pastor. He actually stepped down from a very large church over in the San Francisco area because God spoke into his heart and said, there are those within the inner city that need to know Jesus, and they're never going to come to your church. He had built a very large church and a very large staff, a very big following, wrote lots of books. You've probably wrote, read Crazy Love in some of those. And he just speaks straight from the heart. And, and God spoke to his heart and said, Francis, the church is great, but there are those who will never know Jesus because they're not going to come to your church. I want you to go to them, not wait for them to come to you. And he stood up within his church and said, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm leaving I'm going to take six months. I'm going to take my family. I'm going to go all over the world. I'm going to see what it's like to have these countries that have never heard the word of Jesus, something we don't understand. I want to go see what it's like to not have Jesus. And it so broke his heart that he came back, and now he's doing this inner city missions where he's going to those who don't know Jesus living next door to us who do. He was talking about this... Uh, church that his daughter, his 19-year-old daughter, is worship leader. And they decided we're going to go to these two services. They have some older folks and they have some younger folks. And, and they were having uh, worship wars. I don't know if you know what a worship war is. It's been going on for years. Some, some like one type of music, some like another. And they decided at the end of this church, they said, I know how to solve this. We're going to go to two services. We're going to have a service for the older folks. We'll sing all hymns. We're going to have a service for the young folks. And we'll sing all Hillsong music. It'll be great. She was telling her dad about it, and Francis said he told her, he said, well, I guess that'll work. I'm not a real big fan of it. Never really thought about it. Her, within herself, went to the church and said, look, before we do that, I'd like to do something different. She said, can I talk to the young people? Can, can I just give me a chance to talk to the young people? And she goes to the young people. She tells them, she says, you know what I really desire? I desire that we stay in the fellowship of those mature Christians and just sing their songs. We all worship the same God. We all, we all worship in different ways, but we worship the same God. And it's more important that we worship God together than it is we are pleased by the music that's sung. Francis made this thought, and I never thought about it until I heard him say it. What if the same worship war was reversed? What if instead of the old people saying, I like the hymns, and the new people saying, I like this new refreshing music with drums and all, what if the older people said, 
I want the new refreshing music because that makes the new people come and the, the young people. And the young people said, no, I want the hymns because I, I want to be in, in worship with the older folks. What, what if instead of worrying about ourselves, we worried about the person sitting in the pew next to us? What if instead of caring whether or not the pastor uh, preached for 30 minutes or three hours, if we knew the person sitting next to us needed Jesus, would you stay here all day till they heard about him? Or would you say, if he doesn't get it in 30 minutes, we're going to lunch? What if we didn't care about the temperature in the building, whether it had air conditioning at all? Whether if we didn't care about the color of the person sitting in the pew next to us? Tell you what breaks my heart. I had North Carolina Baptist Association run a geographical study for me of the area five miles out from the church to tell me age groups, ethnicity, uh, where people are monetarily, and different things. To give me some ratios. Do you realize the ratio of whites to blacks is forty-two percent black, fifty percent white, and the rest are other? Do you realize that? Look at this church. Is that the ratio you see? Then we're disunified. It breaks my heart that I can turn right from this door and go that way. And I have a hard time finding anybody down there that's ever graced this door. If we let our own feelings stand between one of those people and God, I don't want to be you when you face Jesus. Where is our heart going to be so broken that we don't care? about us when are we going to be so broken that somebody we know is going to spend eternity in a place called hell that we would fall down between them and hell and wrap our arms around their legs to keep them from going just so they could hear about Jesus breaks my heart it breaks my heart to think the church in general has lost its care for the lost we care more about the programs. We care more about the attendance. We put numbers on boards and we, we count our offerings. We talk about the number of children in our Sunday schools. But why don't we talk about the number of lost people that have come to know Jesus Christ because of our presence? You see, that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in this bond of peace. This bond of peace, what I think about this bond of peace, I think about a passage, I believe it's Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3 verse 12, it talks about the character of the new man. And it says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Have you heard that list before? He says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. See, I think when Paul over in Ephesians is saying that we need to endeavor to keep the unity of spirit in the bond of peace, 
He's remembering what he just told us about this forbearing one another in love. He's saying to our hearts that we should put on God's love. And if we are all wearing God's love, if we're all remembering how God loved us through the death of his son, skin color, status in the world, how much money we have, how uncomfortable it makes us, won't really matter. So he's saying this bond of peace. He says, what's so special about this bond of peace? In verse 4 he says this, remember, there's one body. I think about the fact that we as men have set up denominations. I found it interesting, I sat and talked to a pastor just this week that started off in a Pentecostal church and is now a Southern Baptist pastor. <laughs> you know, a lot of us wouldn't be comfortable in a Pentecostal church. We would try to figure out why are they jumping up and down and shouting and screaming and raising their hands. We'd be so consumed by the things that are going on around us, we'd never hear the message. <laughs> Many of us wouldn't be very comfortable in a black church. I don't know if you've ever attended a black service. Sang it one one time, and I've never sung for an hour with somebody beating a bass drum behind me, but they were worshiping right along with tambourines and a bass drum as I was singing canned music off a of tape. What a wonderful experience. Matter of fact, we were supposed to sing for 30 minutes. They liked it so much, they told us to rewind it and sing the whole thing all over again. You know, I've never had that happen in a Baptist church, by the way. Just thought I'd bring that up. I've been to Catholic services. Been very uncomfortable because I didn't know when to stand up and when to sit down and when to... I've been to a Lutheran church, not realizing to apparently take communion every week. And so I went up to take communion, not realizing we're all going to drink out of the same cup and we're going to have the same bread. That was a little uncomfortable for me. I've been to all kinds of denominations where we worship in a different manner. I think it's okay that we do that. But we should never lose focus that even though we worship in a different manner, we worship the same God. We all should be pointed in the same direction. We shouldn't fight over how we worship. We should fight over, are we worshiping God? Because for each of us, we're comfortable with a certain thing. And I think you should be a part of that which makes you comfortable. The new contemporary music, I love to sing the contemporary music. I don't go to a contemporary service. You know why? I'm uncomfortable. They stand up for 30 minutes and they sing. And while they're singing... I'm trying to figure out where the lights are coming from and where did the smoke go and how's it, what that guy's playing really good. It just throws me off. Am I saying it's bad? Absolutely not. There are some folks that could go to that and just worship God with all their heart. I go to it and I'm trying to figure out how the whole production's put on. It's not the place for me. I love the old hymns. I love the new music. I love everything that shows God for his glory. Each of us have this, this different gift within us that we're to use and it's to be used in the proper place at the proper time and and he says here that that we are this one body this one big body kind of reminds me of what he said back in ephesians 2 yeah ephesians 2 Back in verse 6, if you remember, as he was telling us how we were saved, he says in in verse 4, verse 4 of chapter 2, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, his agape, which he agapeed us with, or agapeoed us with, he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That wasn't written to the Baptist church, that wasn't written to the Catholic church, that wasn't written to the Pentecostal church, that was written to the church at large. Each of us were raised up in the same Christ, seated at the right hand of God in the same Christ. He says we're to be one body. He also tells us, I believe it's in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Verse 34. Says Peter, as he was standing before Cornelius' household, if you remember, standing before, he had just met Cornelius, he's standing before his entire household, and he starts off because they're different than he is. They're not of the same background. He says this to him. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which has been proclaimed throughout all Judea. And began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. What's he saying to them? It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much school you have. All that matters is that you know Jesus Christ died for your sins. That you believe what he accomplished on that cross when he died washed you as white as snow. That you understand he was placed in a tomb and that he rose three days later. And you believe he rose three days later so that you would have all of eternity with God in heaven. It doesn't matter where you come from doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter if you're to the opposite side of the world do you realize for all of eternity we're going to be with each other we're finally going to be that one body together the one body that now is separated by land and sea but not separated in spirit what an awesome thought see because he goes on when he says there is one body and he says there is one spirit Jesus told us in the word, for the sake of time, I'll just tell you what it said. He says, in the word, he says, I'm going to leave this place. He, he told his disciples, he says, I'm going to pick up, I've got to go. I'm going back to my father, but I'm not going to leave you alone. He says, I'm going to separate myself from you because I'm not quite finished with what I have to do. But in my absence, I'm going to send you one greater than I the Holy Spirit. He's going to indwell you and you're going to do things on this earth that are greater than the things with which I did. When Paul says we're of one body, he's reminding us we're all indwelt by that same Holy Spirit. He goes on to say there's not only one Spirit, but he says just as you were called in one hope. What is your hope this morning? What hope do you have that life's going to turn out for your good what is the hope you have of the future if you remember back in Ephesians chapter 2 he told us this in verse 11 
Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, in other words, once sinners, once lost folks, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh of hands. In other words, those who have been circumcised or, or show the grace of God in their lives physically because of some law or saying you're uncircumcised, so you're lost. So he's painting this picture. He goes on to verse 12 to say that at that time you were without Christ. It's this level playing field. Each one of us came into this world the same way, headed to hell. Each one of us, like it or not, at the age of accountability, now had to account for our eternity. Each one of us chose hell. How do I know that? Jesus died on the cross. If we could have done it without him, do you think he would have crawled on the cross? I don't think so. But it says we all were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. In other words, there was nothing for us. There was no promise for us. We came from sin and our destiny was a place called hell. He says, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What is your hope that tomorrow is going to turn out okay? Jesus. Your hope that all this world, all the struggles that you go through, all the pains of this life are going to be worth it is Jesus. For at the end of the day, we each that were headed to a place called hell have each been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. If we have the faith that what he did accomplished that for us. So he says, you have this one hope of your calling. We're almost out of time, and I hope you packed your lunch. Verse 5, there is one Lord. He said, there is one Lord. No matter what the world tells you, there is only one Lord. There is only one way. There is only one path. There is only one door. God only provided for you one way to heaven. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter whether you think it's one-sided, whether you think that it's unfair. It doesn't matter if you believe there are going to be people that never hear about Jesus and it's not fair that they go to hell. It doesn't matter whether you think it's fair or not. God said there is one way, and it's His Son, Jesus Christ. And until we, the church, stand up to those that say there are multiple ways and say, believe what you want, enjoy your day in hell, you're going to be there for eternity. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through my Savior, Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because he came from heaven, died on a cross, washed away my sins, rose from the dead to prove I'll be with him for all of eternity. Yet when somebody says, well, we should all get along, we say, yeah, you're right. We don't want to offend you. If I have to offend you to make you go to heaven, I'm going to offend you. Because by not offending you, I'm telling you, I don't love you enough to care about where you're going to spend eternity. I do love you enough. I love you enough to make you understand that there's only one way that you can spend all of eternity with God. And that's through the work of Jesus Christ. You see, we only have one Lord. We only have one Lord. Philippians 2, verse 5 says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, being God, 
did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Look at this picture. God, Jesus in heaven, who is what part of the Trinity decided one day to put on this. He decided to step out of glory where it doesn't even need a sun because of the glory of God shines in light. Where you, you have streets, it's pure crystal. You have a gate made out of one pearl. You, he chose to leave that to put on this. Knowing that putting on this would lead to that. Knowing that one day this would be tortured, murdered, and die. It says he chose to do it. He goes on to say, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. He became obedient. He became obedient to his father to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Of those that are in heaven, of those that are on earth, and of those that are under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of this to be to the glory of God the Father. See, there is only one Lord. It's that God-man that chose to be murdered on a cross for you and for me. There's only one Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, it says this, For we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your bondservants for Christ's sake. We don't talk about us. We talk about Jesus. We don't show the world our ability. We show them Jesus. We don't show the world our desires. We show them Jesus. He says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What unifies us? Jesus. Jesus should be the glue that sticks us together. We'll finish this message next week. Ask you this this morning. Our view of one heart and one mind with Jesus. Does your every thought center around Jesus? If you were given the option 
to live or to stand for Jesus? Would you stand for Jesus, even if it meant death? You see, we in the Western world have it easy when it comes to Christianity. I don't get up here and preach thinking at any moment someone could kick in that door and kill me for what I'm preaching. I don't think at any time, because I carry a Bible with me about everywhere I go, that I could be arrested for carrying that Bible. I don't think as I sit in a restaurant publicly and pray for my food that someone's going to come along and place me in a prison. I don't at any time fear for my belief in Jesus Christ. Yet there are untold millions around this world that live like that. God knows my heart. I'm going to utter this, not asking him to do it. But at times, I just want to pray that that same persecution would show up here. Because then I would know. I would know who really loved Jesus. God would reveal who really loved Jesus. See, because we like to put on a face. We like to love each other. We like to be in unity as far as the outside world can tell. But God doesn't look at your outside. God looks at your inside. So I ask you this morning, are you all sold out for Jesus? Is he everything to you? Are you so sold out to him, you're willing to set aside those desires that you have that aren't being met by the church or met by your fellow Christian or met by anyone else? Are you willing to set those things aside for the glory of your God? Are you willing this morning to say, God, if I'm honest with you and myself, I haven't been doing that. But this morning I want to put Jesus first. That's your prayer this morning. Thank you for joining us here at Revealed Truth. I would like to personally invite you to visit with us at Morris Creek Baptist Church. We're located at 3107 Union Chapel Road in Curry, North Carolina. Our Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and is followed at 11 o'clock with our Sunday morning worship service. We also have a time of prayer and Bible study on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. We look forward to seeing you soon.